This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This podcast is made possible through donations from listeners like you and our partners at Goalie Ashwa Gummies. You can find them at goalie.com. Use promo code the Show Up That Foundation to get 10% off your order. Zendurance Active Wellness and Sports Nutrition. Their products are designed to maximize your health. At Zendurance, they strive to support and have a positive impact on the wellness of every hardworking dad. Use my code the Show Up Dad and get 10% off your next purchase. For more info, go to www.zendurance.com. Tall Man Equipment, standing taller than the rest of the competition in Lyman Tools since 1952. Give them a follow at www.tallmanequipment.com. And last but not least, Adam Lane Smith. He is an attachment specialist who helps people to heal, connect, and build. Use my promo code SHOW, spelled S-H-O-W, for a 50% discount on his attachment boot camp course. Thank you. Welcome to the Show Up Dad podcast, where our mission is to improve the well-being of children by increasing the proportion of children growing up with an involved, responsible, and committed father. The Show Up Dad Foundation is a 501c3 organization that encourages dads to become more than just a paycheck. Today, we have an incredible guest, Brandon Thornhill. Brandon is a former Navy SEAL, successful entrepreneur, devoted husband, and a proud father of two beautiful girls. He has been through many different experiences in his life and has a lot of wisdom to share with us. He'll be talking about fatherhood, being a husband, leading your family, and balancing work and family. Welcome to our show, brother. Man, I'm excited to be on. I love what you're doing. I love the mission. Absolutely. Well, thank you, man. It's it's always a privilege and an honor to have a, a veteran on here. We try to support our veterans as much as possible. Um, you guys are awesome. And we just thank you. Thank you for your service, brother. That's my pleasure. It was a great time. Heck yeah, I bet. Well, we're going to talk about that. <laughs> so, but uh, go ahead and tell us about your early life and what inspired you to go into the military service, if you don't mind, brother. Yeah, man. You know, I was, I grew up in a small town in Ohio, you know, my, um, my family, my mom was a single mom who raised all three kids and she, you know, she had to work a full-time job. So she showed me what real hard work is all about and sacrifice for, mm-hmm. you know, for your family. And, um, and really, man, I got into sports that kept me kind of focused on being on the right path because there were so many other paths I could have went down. Luckily I had good coaches in my life and, and, um, and really just a good community around me. And so when I started getting into sports, I got super competitive at a, at a young age. Mm-hmm. and I'll never forget it. I, I was sitting there at one of my friend's houses and he was playing a video game called SOCOM. And uh, there was a little like 20 minute teaser video that pops up right before you played it on, on the PlayStation. Mm. And I think I was in the eighth grade at the time. And, um, and I watched the video and it was talking about Hell Week and how it was the toughest military training in the world. And I was like, man, that's, that right there is something that I want to know more about. And it's so funny because it's, from there, man, it took on roots and started growing. And, you know, I, I was a four sport athlete. By the time I got into high school, uh, we were living about 40 minutes away from where I was going to school. My mom worked at Honda transmissions in the factory line. So she had access to a pool Mm -hmm. and dude, like I never, I I didn't barely ever know how to swim growing up or anything like that. And there was this PST, this physical screening test that you had to take to get into the training because I had done all my research but I didn't know how to do the test. I'm like, I don't know how to do this side stroke or breaststroke. I'm not a good swimmer. So I need to start swimming. So what I would do is I would wake up at five 30 in the morning, every morning, Monday through Friday. And I would be at the pool by like six, six 15 ish. And I would swim. And it was mm-hmm. probably God awful. It was probably terrible, <laughs> but, <laughs> but through, through the compound effect, right? Small things done daily over time, you get the results you're looking for. And and I was just relentless, man. So I like swim every day, started getting better at the side stroke. I would look, look things up on the internet back, the dial up internet back in the day. Remember that? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and so, 
you know, I, I found a video where they taught how to, how to do a side stroke because there was no, like, you couldn't just go to a military um, recruiter because they didn't have seals back then, like at those yeah. commands. And so long story short, man, I taught myself how to swim, taught myself how to do the side stroke, started doing the screening tests, like in between, you know, football, basketball, baseball, or track. And, um, and my senior year, I decided to go all in. I wanted to be a doctor, and but I also wanted to be a SEAL. And so I, I just did the best of both worlds, signed a contract to be a corpsman like you, <laughs> right? Yeah. And uh, became a corpsman. It was another crazy story on that. Like, man, the story on that was I joined the Navy, right? Finally got in, went to boot camp, realized that the recruiter lied to me, mm, <laughs> which, it, which is, a, that's pretty normal, right? Yeah, that's normal. Unfortunately. I didn't know that until I got there. So I show up to boot camp, thought I was going to have a contract to go into buds and, and uh, they're calling up everybody's name and they didn't call my name. And I was like, guys, like you're missing, you're missing my name. What happened? They're like, yeah, you don't qualify. Your eyesight's not good. And your ASVAB score is not good enough. I was like, what? Like nobody told me this. And so I was devastated, but right then, David, I don't know if you remember, but they're in, um, in, in Chicago, Illinois, the crazy Mm -hmm. thing was at that pool they have there. We were sitting in the stadium and like the stadium seatings and they're like, Hey, who wants to be Bud, Swick, air crew, some sort of any type of special operations. And obviously I didn't qualify for that, but I, so I was like, well, maybe I'll just qualify for something else and see if I can sneak in with the Bud's guys. <laughs> so yeah, I can't even make this up. What I did was I, um, I volunteered to go air crew. We all lined up and we marched to the pool together, Bud, Swick, and then air crew. And the air crew guys stopped and I kept walking with the bud students. So I got out of line and walked with them. And it's funny how God works because I had a guy who was, who was my, who was in my boot camp class with me, who had a buds contract was already slotted to go. He just had to pass a screening test. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I partnered up with him obviously, cause he was the guy that I knew and dude, I crushed a test, right? Like it was, it was a really good test, but then he was struggling with, uh, the the sit-up section of it like he did really good on everything else but i think i can't remember exactly because this is like almost 20 years ago but you had yeah. to do like 20 sit or uh, 50 sit-ups or something like that he only got like 49 and so you know i had to hook a brother up you know and so so i gave him i gave him 51 sit-ups which obviously could have gotten me in a lot of trouble and i'm like man i don't know if this guy's ever going to make it through the, the the training like he can't even do 50 sit-ups like this is crazy well i didn't get to go because i passed the test the uh the master chief calls me in the office and he's like hey did you like what happened um how did you even get in here i said well i don't know how i got in here um but you know i'm here is is there any way that i can get into the program he said man i love your scores but you know your eyesight's not good enough you need to go out and take the asvab he's like i'm not going to tell you to get eye surgery but you go do what you got to do when you get to your command go do the program retake the test crush it and i'm confident you can probably be back in within the next you know couple years well, it's funny. As I was going through that process, I went out to Portsmouth, Virginia. So I went, so I finished the boot camp, went to Corman School, finished that, then went to Portsmouth, Virginia. I was taking care of moms and babies. Yeah. And um, you know, it was it was a great it was a great lesson, you know, on on just life in general. But um, my friend, as I was going through that process, and I was still training, still fighting, because I knew I knew if I just held tight to my belief that one day I'm going to go to buds, like it would happen. And, um, and crazy enough, man, a, a master chief came on to the, um, to the ward that, you know, like, like probably six months in when mm-hmm. I was there and I, his mom, his wife just had a baby. And, and I told him, I said, master chief, I want to be a seal. Like, what do I got to do? And so he started making me work out with him every day. Like I was work from 7.00 PM to 7.00 AM. And I had to drive to Virginia beach and I would have to work out with him. So I'd, I'd literally work all night and then show like race over to Virginia beach at seal team two, where he was at. And I would work out with him and all of his new guys. And these guys are in the best shape of their life. Dude. They just finished Buds and SQT. Yeah. And um, and I had to prove my worth, man. And he would make me stay after even that workout and just clean up, do some random stuff. And so I'd get back, get a couple hours of sleep and then do it all over again. And um, and during that process, my friend made it through training. He made it through Buds. And I was like, that guy made it through Buds. That's crazy. You know, like <laughs> he could do it. You know, any of us can do it. So there's hope. <laughs> and so, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, long story short, man, I, I ended up getting my, my eye surgery, took the test, got the ASVAB and fought for it. They, they wanted me to go to Iraq with the Marines and I was more than willing, but man, I, I wanted to be a SEAL. So um, I fought for it, got a contract and the rest is history. It's crazy how 
you can never underestimate, you know, they say, don't ever judge a book by its cover. And that's a perfect example right there. Um, I had another guest on here, Chris Peronto, and he was a 75th Ranger, right? And uh, he, we have some friends that, you know, we both know. And um, he was talking about how one of the uh, Medal of Honor winners, uh, Leroy Petrie, right? How he lost his hand. He got the Medal of Honor, stuff like that. Um, remembers him going through Ranger school selection and uh, he could barely do push-ups. He could barely run and stuff like that, you know? And it was kind of funny because I was like, man, I grew up with that dude. I was like, his dad was our yaffle coach. We used to call him Powder Puff because he didn't like to get hit, you know? And we're just laughing and giggling, stuff like that. But lo and behold, the guy became a friggin' Ranger and, you know, he won the Medal of Honor, you know, saved a bunch of guys. So you never know. <laughs> you really you really don't man so I, I i had the blessing to also be a first phase blood instructor and put students through hell week and all that process and you yeah. know you 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 secretly sit there behind the scenes and you look at guys and you're like man i, I think this guy's gonna make it through i think that guy's gonna make it through and a lot of times you're just wrong right it's like it's the guys who are just scrappy the ones who what i did see is i did see a trend where if guys were just constantly winning in life like, and they didn't ever really have too much adversity toss at them. Like they did struggle a little bit. There was a few guys that just crush everything that they do. Right. But yeah, some of these guys where, you know, you see them where all they do is they win, win, win. They're always puffed up. Right. As far as like their, their ego. Mm -hmm. Well, when you get into hell week and you start losing and your boat crew starts losing because you're tired, there's, it's inevitable that eventually you're going to struggle and your boat crew is going to struggle. Right. And so when that happens, the question is, is what person comes out, what character comes out now? And sometimes, man, you see some of the biggest guys just crumble. They crumble. Mm -hmm. So you're absolutely right. You never know. It's crazy how life has a tendency to do that. Even in the trade that I'm in now, you know, I'm a lineman instructor and we have a little selection course at the beginning where we have a kind of like a hell day. Right. And we give these guys hell. Okay. And you're absolutely right. We got some guys that are studs that are climbing all day and you can't even phase them. And then there's some guys that are real rocked up looking like they just went to the gym the whole entire time and they're over there laying on their back, phasing out and everything. You know what I mean? So you never know. But uh, I had a friend of mine who tells me that life, right? When you put the pressure to it, right, it's going to bring out what's in you. And that's kind of what these programs do. You know what I mean? Even in life in general, right? Say you're married or whatever. And then, you know, you start going through some hard times. That's going to really show you what's in you. Cause that, that person's going to come out. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, the question that I had a good friend ask me one time, you mm -hmm. know, and it wasn't asking me, he was just saying in general, I guess, but he was saying, what's it like to be, to be in a relationship with you? You know, what's it like? And and I asked that question because, you know, this is a podcast about, you know, being a show up dad. And and that's a that's a good question. I think the quality of our life is a direct reflection of the quality of the questions that we ask ourselves or don't ask ourselves. Unfortunately, people don't ask themselves tough questions anymore, especially right now mm -hmm. in a society where, you know, it's like frowned upon to even have a debate. Like, I think the most important person you can have a debate with every day is yourself. It's like, you know, who who do you need to become in order to become that best version of you? And you know, and so like you're, you're talking about relationships and I think that, um, you know, it's important to make sure that you're asking yourself these tough questions so that you continue to grow and move the ball forward. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. Yeah, no, it's, uh, that self-reflection is everything. That's what we tell everybody that we come in contact with, you know, cause you never know, you know what I mean? That's, that's the first battle right there. When you wake up in the morning, when you're by yourself or whatever, you got to deal with you. You can't move anywhere. Cause guess what, dude? No matter where you go, there you are. You know what I mean? You're going to have to deal with yourself, <laughs> you know? Yeah, the only way out is through. And, you know, it's it's um that's the one good thing that I learned from the SEAL teams, though, is like no matter your rank, no matter your title, no matter mm -hmm. who you are, after a mission, we'd come back, we would debrief. And it was all, you know, you let everything on the table. If somebody messed up, you let them know why and how they can improve. And um, and, and that was only that that's put there to make sure that everybody's just getting better and everybody's able to make sure that they have a safe culture, right. Mm -hmm. To, to continue to, you know, sharpen the spear to make sure that we're bringing everybody home from a deployment, you know, every mm -hmm. time. So, you know, I think that that's, if, if you're going to do it in that setting, you should do it in your home setting and your business setting and your finance setting. Like my wife and I, man, we have a, we have a meeting every Sunday night 
-hmm. And we go over, we go over everything from what I call the six pillars. And I have a podcast called the journey to win, which I, I, I need to have you on, man. I can't wait to have you on, but it talks about, in my opinion, the six pillars of winning in life and it's faith, family, fitness, finance, future self, and fun. Mm-hmm. It's like, what are you doing in all of those areas? And you know, what, like, like, how is our, how is our marriage around faith? Like, how are, are we both become, are we pouring into the Bible? Are we focusing on our faith every day? Or are we getting distracted? Right? Like, mm-hmm. how do we do this week? And what can we do next week to get better at it? Okay, now let's move on to family. Are we spending the quality time with our kids? Are, are we getting them out in the sun? Are we doing the things that we need to do to like, not just talk about what they need to be doing, but show them what they need to be doing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I take my daughter to the gym because I want her to see me going to the gym and not just talk about this stuff later on. I want, I want it to be a part of her being and who she is. Um, finance is same thing. So we go through all of that stuff to make sure we're both on the same page and it's very high communication. And I think that's one thing I learned from the teams, man, is you have to be a great communicator. Mm, no, absolutely. You're hundred percent right on that. Um, you can't communicate with your spouse. You can't communicate with the people around you, man. Things get lost in translation. People don't read minds. And next thing you know, you know, your spouse or even your kids are getting burnt out. You know what I mean? Because they're getting frustrated. You know, that's another big thing too, man. Yelling. Okay. I'm not at a, I don't agree with yelling at all. I had a wise man tell me one time, he's like, oh man, he's like, oh, when you're yelling, you're just showing that you are confused. I was like, wow, I never thought of it that way. But it's absolutely true. You're yelling, you're screaming, you know, there's, you know, chaos going on and stuff like that. And I know that there's some people that may say, okay, if I don't yell and get you all wound up in the situation, you're not going to know how to handle it. I think that's crap, honestly. You know what I mean? (laughs) You got to crawl, walk, run first, right? (laughs) No, you're absolutely right. I mean, especially when we're talking about in the context of kids, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we're talking about military stuff like that, putting stress on people in a different way. I've seen, you know, the like we throw buds, we throw every different type of person at them. We throw yellers, we throw calm instructors, we throw motivating instructors, and you're kind of mm-hmm. putting those pieces together to make sure that, you know, you have kind of all the players in the right place at the right time. But, uh, but that's more of a mind game, right? With, yeah. with our, with our kids and our family, man, I think that anytime people are just yelling and if I, if I'm out about at a, at a park and I see somebody yelling, I'm like, man, the, your emotional maturity. And that's what people lack today is emotional maturity mm-hmm. is to be able to have a conversation at an, like, why do you have to get so angry all the time? And if they are angry, they're really just, it just tells me they're scared. Mm. Like they're just scared human beings who can't communicate properly. Maybe they're just doing what their dad did. Maybe they're just doing what their mom did. That's not an excuse because, mm-hmm. you know, like Jim Rohn says, you know, wish it were easier or wish you were better. Like you just got to get better. You got to get bigger than your problems. And at the end mm-hmm. of the day, you can't sit there and rely on past leaders and, you know, that, that maybe did something to you. And now you feel like that's the way that you have to lead. No, go seek out new mentors, go seek out new leaders and find out what they're doing, how they're communicating and, um, and start adopting what they're teaching. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and so I think another thing of that too, is making sure they're surrounding themselves with, with the right community. Cause mm-hmm. you know, if, if they're around yellers, they're probably going to end up yelling because they think that that's okay. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think like you be like the saying goes, you're the average of the five people you hang around with the most. The saying is your bank account and your, the, the amount of money that you make, but I yeah. think it's everything, dude. I think it's, your emotional maturity, like your, your marriage, like your, it doesn't matter your fitness. Like if you're hanging around five fat slobs, excuse my language, but the reality is that's just the reality. And they're just sitting around lazy, not doing anything all day. Well, then you're probably going to end up doing that same thing. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, if you want to get in shape, people say, Brandon, how can I lose weight? How can I get in shape? Find people who are in shape, hang out with them. (laughs) <laughs> you're going to, you're going to start absorbing their energy and you're going to vibrate at the same level they're vibrating at just by natural osmosis. Yeah. Know? Yeah, no, for sure. And it's crazy too, because yeah, you want to find those people that you can emulate. Like you said, you don't want to emulate someone who's lazy, who's out of shape, who's, you know, 
for lack of better terms, ass looks like chewed bubble gum. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? It You don't want to do that. And maybe if you want to, then that's on you, whatever, you know, don't complain when you're not losing the weight. Right. But even for our kids, let's take it even a step forward. You know what I mean? If we're yelling at our kids and then we're telling them not to be yelling at their brother and sister, that's a message that we're sending to them that they're, you know, of confusion. Right. Dude, absolutely. I, I think most parents, that's the problem. So, you know, let, I'll tell you what I try to do because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, I don't want to talk at people, but I'll just say that what I've seen and what I've witnessed from growing up and kind of like asking myself the tough questions I'm telling you that we need to be asking ourselves is like, what parent do I really want to become? And, mm. you know, like, do I want to be somebody that's telling my kid what to do, but then not being an example? Because the reality is, is eventually your kids are going to see through it. If you say, Sonny, you know, you can dream and you can be anything you want. But then you're not out there dreaming and being anything that you that, that you want to be. They're just mm -hmm. going to see through it. They're going to end up falling exactly into the same tracks potentially that you're falling into, which is just being normal and doing what society tells you is normal. So to me, I want to be an outlier. I want to be somebody that's doing the opposite of what everybody is saying is normal. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and that's and that's going against the grain a little bit, you know. Yeah, especially in society today, you know, and everybody wants to fall in line, fall in line. And I'm not saying what I'm saying, hear me out, guy. I'm not saying be a rebel and all that other stuff, you know what I mean? But use your head. Seriously. Yeah. I think as fathers, one of our main jobs, other than teaching them empathy and, and, and good moral values and stuff like that, is teaching them how to problem solve. And we do that by them watching us solve problems. Level heads prevail, right? Yeah. Yeah, there's that. And then there's also, I think, you know, it's like, I have a friend the other day, he was telling me, he's like, man, my son just, he's, he's 14 years old and I can't connect with him. And mm -hmm. I'm like, what are you doing to try to connect? <laughs> he's like, right. I, I, you know, I try to take him to do different sports and this and that, but he's a gamer. And I'm like, well, you're trying to, you're trying to make him live your life. He has his own life. You need to connect with him on his level and then maybe over time, build a little bit of trust because clearly over 14 years, there's some lack of trust there. If he's like not wanting to communicate with you, not want to talk to you. And that trust can be, you know, destroyed over many different things of maybe you, you telling him that you're going to take him to the park and then you never do it because you're too lazy or because you let everything else get in the way. So many other more important things. It's like when I'm, mm -hmm. I run a direct sales team and I tell my leaders all the time, it's like, guys, if you're on a call and your kids come up to you that call is not more important than your kids. Talk to mm -hmm. them, tell the person on the other line to hold on and talk to your kids for a couple of minutes. Now, granted, if they're coming in and being rude and interrupting, I'm not telling you guys how to parent your kids. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll talk to them off the side and get on a level and, and be empathetic with them. But that call is my most, is not the most important thing in my life. My child is like, what if that was your last day with your child? Could you live with yourself and say, you know, that like, dude, think about that. Like literally if your kid or, or something happened to them and you just lied to them and said, you're going to take them to the park or the water park or the pool and swim with them, or you're going to take them and throw the baseball, but you didn't like, how could I couldn't live with that? No, for sure. No. And life is so short. You never know. I mean, I think that's what happens a lot of times as men is we go on thinking, Oh, tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Right. Sometimes for a lot, a lot of people tomorrow never comes. You know, um, I lost my brother. He was uh, 38 years old. He died uh, a day before his 39th birthday. He hunted. He was a lineman. He did all these things, right? He was just perfect shape. And we never knew anything was wrong with him. He was on a hunt, once in a lifetime hunt with his wife. He died on his wife, dude. Wow. Yeah. I'm sorry man. to hear that, bro. Yep. And, oh, thank you, man. And, yeah, it was, it was devastating. He left three little girls. And, um uh, it's just crazy. The last words I heard from him was, oh, I just got 20 more years of this, bro. 20 more years. And I'm going to retire. Wow. And never, never came or tomorrow never came. You know what I'm saying? So life is short guys. You know, in the, in the samurai code book, it talks about keep death on your mind. Mm -hmm. And it's not like it's saying like, always just, you know, think about death and how it's going to come to you. But it's saying like, just think about it and knowing that this could be your last day. And so, you know, I, I read that book early on in my career. So luckily I've always kind of lived by that code mm -hmm. and my dad passed away in 2021. And I'll never forget, man. Like every time I used to talk to my dad, I would just say, Hey, this could be the last time. Like everything stops focus on him. Cause I don't live in Ohio. Like he lives in Ohio. 
I was living out in Arizona at the time, but I've lived all over the world. And anytime that he's called or anytime my mom calls or I call them, I try to be 100% present um, and just give people my time, which is the most precious asset that we have. No billionaire can buy it back. And mm -hmm. so I, I really focus on giving my kids my time. Anybody that I'm talking to, like giving you my time, not sitting here being on my phone, scrolling through social media, silly stuff that people do, right? And so mm -hmm. I remember that last conversation I had because I was so present. And and I remember saying, I love you. And, and just having that conversation when so many people were divided in politics during that time. And mm -hmm. you know, because that was during COVID, it could have been so easy for me to just you know, got, get into an argument about something stupid that really didn't matter in life, mm -hmm. but I didn't, I, I, you know, I just, I wanted to make sure I was focused on loving and caring about my father and being empathetic towards his, his situation. And, um, and just remember this guys, like, as you're talking to other people, it's not always about you be interested, not interesting mm -hmm. people, you know, like when you're talking to your family, man, like they want to know about you, but you should want to know about them too. Yes. Because what happens if they do pass away? You're not able to ask any more questions. Mm -hmm. Those questions are gone. You, who are you going to ask? Now you have to ask their brother or your or somebody else. So, you know, be present and ask those questions now. Get get everything out there on the table so you know about your family, you know, history and just anything that you want to know about. Mm -hmm. No, that was well said, brother. Um, first and foremost, you know, my condolences for your father as well. I mean, it's got to be hard. Um. I was going to ask you, how was that relationship prior to that was like, what did you get? Like, what did you learn from him? Man, that's a great, that's a great question, brother. I'd say, you know, my mom and dad <clears> split <throat> up when I was in kindergarten. It was like kindergarten or first grade. And, mm -hmm. um, and in the early part of my life with him, I learned what fatherhood was not supposed to be like, Okay, you know, alcoholic, um, really didn't show up to a lot of my sports games until I was like really successful, like, like in the newspapers, mm -hmm. things like that. But I'd say once I graduated, man, like once I hit like senior year graduation, we we started to to really get a lot closer because I'm not, man, I don't have the spirit of offense. I don't get offended. So many people get offended these days. It's like, just let it go. Yeah. And, and people got to realize that people aren't perfect. People make mistakes in life. Right. And so, you know, I just, I let it, I let everything go. And, and, um, you know, over time he quit drinking because he had a pretty crazy accident where he almost he was drinking and driving and hit his car behind like hit a parked car, but nah. there was nobody, but there was nobody in it. So that he, he realized like that could have been a mom. That could have been a kid. Like that could have been anything. So he actually, he, he, he I don't know if he quit drinking, but he severely slowed down drinking. Mm -hmm. And, um, and we became very close over the past, let's say decade. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, unfortunately right before, you know, I got married, been married to my wife now for almost 11 years, but, um, right before we had our first daughter, man, he passed away. So we didn't get to meet her, but I think, you know, I think he met her in the womb, you know, she was, yeah, for sure. In the womb. I think his spirit got to meet her. Yeah, absolutely. Brother. Um, I was going to ask you, so we talked about drinking and stuff like that. Um, did you have any trouble with that being in the military? Cause I know a lot of my buddies and stuff like that, man, they were raging. I was a raging alcoholic, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, yeah. uh, you know, how did you get over that and defeat that and stuff like that? Well, you know, I'll say that unfortunately, the military is a very drinking heavy community, right? And so yeah. um, I wish I would have done a lot more personal development back in the day. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't until I got into the direct sales game where I really started doing personal development because direct sales is really a con it's a personal development program with a compensation plan attached to it. Like if you don't grow, nothing's going to grow. You got to become the best version of you with your skills, with everything. And so I had to do a lot of personal development. Jim Rohn, you know, he taught me that you have to work twice as hard on you as you do your job. And so I was going hard work on myself for years, almost a decade now. Mm -hmm. But, um, but I'd say that, you know, just through years and years of, cause you know, I was drinking hard in the military. It was like work hard, play hard. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't drink throughout the week, but man, Friday, Saturday night, it was game on and, and we would drink hard. And unfortunately I, you know, I had some, crazy stuff that happened, never got in trouble, luckily. But at the same time, there was a lot of lessons learned where I'm like, man, I could have been in a lot of trouble. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Some of the stuff I was doing. And then I got married and getting married really helped change everything for me because it forced me to grow up. And then mm -hmm. the next level of that was having kids. Um, because I think if you're just married, it's, it's easy for you guys both to kind of go out, have fun, drink, kind of carry yeah. on that same culture. But man, when you have kids, it's an eye opener. At least mm -hmm. it was for me. It was an eye opener. I said, man, I have to become the best 
version of me for this girl. Like, because there's a saying, you know, as a boy, you become your father. Yeah. As a girl, you marry it. Mm. And so I said, I got to make sure that I'm not sitting here drinking at the house, seeing my, let my two-year-old daughter see me drink, you know, carry on and doing silly stuff. Like I have to, and some people say, well, why not? It's like, think about that. Do you really want your, your daughter to marry some guy who's an alcoholic who's drinking every night? Because that's the reality of a lot of military guys. And mm -hmm. that was the reality for me. I wasn't, we say we're not alcoholics, but if you're drinking every night to go to bed. Yeah. I'd say that's alcoholism. You know, let's you get the shakes at nine o'clock. <laughs> yeah, people say, well, I just have a glass of whiskey every night. No, dude, like you need it every night to go to bed. If you say I need it to go to bed, that's alcoholism. Mm -hmm. And so I realized pretty quickly, especially during COVID even, like I was starting to pick up my drinking and then we had a yeah. daughter and I said, nope, I got to stop. So what I did, David, is I redirected. Mm. I said, I have to find something else to replace this. And so what I started doing was I started, you know, going to the gym more. I started, you know, um, doing, going to the sauna, doing meditation. I started finding other ways, like reading books, just anything and everything that I could do to make sure that that, if I ever had an urge to do it, mm -hmm. then I would, I would replace it with something else. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's good to replace it with positive habits. Um, I know for me, I would replace it with chewing tobacco. You know what I mean? So I'd go from drinking to tobacco and then drinking. And that was my vicious cycle. You know what I mean? One vice um, to another. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and for me, I was already a Christian by then. I had my daughter. She was a year old. I was, I was working out of state and I came home. And uh, I remember this perfectly because I was flipping burgers. I was drinking shooters, miniatures, right? And we had 15 acres behind my house and I was throwing the miniatures over the fence. And uh, my wife came outside with some burgers and stuff to give to me so I could throw them on the gazebo and grill them, right? Well, the neighbor was getting ready to irrigate that property, and he brings two five-gallon buckets filled with Maker's Mark, little miniatures, mm -hmm. and he puts it right at the fence. And I look at him. She looks at me. I look at her, and I'm like, oh, man, I'm in trouble. So I walk over there, and I ask her. I'm like, oh, so what's going on? And she's like, oh, nothing. I'm not going to tell you what to do. You're a grown man. She's like, oh, but I'm going to let you know a little bit. She's like, if you're okay with your daughter growing up and smelling that on you and getting accustomed to that smell and then seeking that smell in another man, and then she's going to wind up with a guy like that. She's like, if you're okay with that, I will never tell you anything again. Mm. And let me tell you, Brandon, that day I stopped drinking, never drink That's again. Amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's also, and I love that story, David, because that's, I mean, that, that illustrates it. Perfect. Mm -hmm. One thing I had to do too, man, is I had to cut out a couple of people out of my life who constantly wanted to go out and yep. you know, just have a beer. And it was like, well, dude, like, can we just go out and not have a beer? Can we hang out and do something else? And the reality of that question is no. I mean, you can, you can go out with them, mm -hmm. right. You can go out with them, but they're going to have a beer and it's, it's going to tempt you. And so you know, I can go out and have, not have a beer now. Like it's fine. But like back in my yeah. military days, like I'd have been like, oh, okay, I'll have one, whatever. <laughs> you know? So, so long story short is I definitely cut out a few people. And as I started to, it's funny, man, as I started to elevate me, meaning elevate the person I was becoming, mm -hmm. I started to attract new friends. Yeah. And it was so interesting how it works. The law of attraction, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it's really, to me, it's like, I think God puts the law of attraction, just like he puts gravity mm -hmm. here. Like, I think he puts the law of attraction there. Like, it's all real. Yeah. Just however you want to look at it. I just think God is the one who's allowing that law to exist. Looking back, bro, I didn't know that. I didn't know about laws of attraction or anything like that, right? This was 16 years ago. So I kind of took offense to that, dude. When people started working their way out of my life because David wasn't the crazy guy who was freaking telling people, bring me my hooks. I'm going to climb this pole and... Twin Peaks or whatever, you know, what I mean? <laughs> stuff, yeah. all the crazy stuff, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, once I stopped acting like that and, and started making those subtle changes and stuff, that people, that type of people started working their way out of my life. And I took offense because I was like, man, what's wrong with me? You know, they don't want to hang out with me. It's because I don't drink anymore, blah, 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 blah. But you're absolutely right, dude. I started attracting other people that had healthy habits and stuff like that. 
yeah, it's kind of a good thing too, man, because it's kind of like a screener, you know, anytime mm-hmm. that people go every level, there's a saying every level, there's a new devil you got to overcome. Right. Yeah. And that, that was definitely one where I was like, well, you know, I have these different friends that I have to give up, but there was also other friends that didn't want to hang out. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's not like I don't drink at all. I just severely limit the amount of drinks that I do have. Like whenever I do, yeah. you know, it's just a couple maybe. And so, um, you know, I guess my point of that is, is like, you know, every level is a new devil. You're going to have to overcome new things. And mm-hmm. once you're able to overcome the fact that it's a screening process and you're, you're actually screening people out of the li- out of your life, who probably don't need to be there in the first place. And they're only there because you're serving them. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, like leaves on a tree, you know, leaves on a tree are going to fall off every season. You have your seasonal friends, mm-hmm. but then you, you end up finding through your journey, you find your rooted friends, the ones that are there for the real good reasons and not just for a season, you know? Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. I think I heard uh, Steve Weatherford say something like that. You got friends for a season, friends for a reason and friends for a lifetime. So That's great. yeah. Yeah. I, I, love, like I love that, man. He, he's, he's awesome. He's an awesome guy. Yeah, he is. He's he's a really cool dude, man. I didn't realize how big he was until I ran into him in person. I'm like, this guy's a big dude. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I've never but, met him in real life, but I I'd imagine. Yeah, I actually ran into him at a uh, a men's retreat for Awakened Church, and it it was really cool. It was a great time, man. Yeah, Rex Crane told me about that event. Um, I was gonna go, and then I had other events I had to go to. I want to go next year. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we'll be seeing you there again. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean? that'll be that'll be cool, dude. But uh, so I wanted to change subjects a little bit, brother. And um, I wanted to start asking you, what are some of the challenges? Because you touched briefly about the drinking and having to find new friends and stuff like that. What are some of the challenges that you face becoming a husband and then a father? You know? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think as a husband, because. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a completely different culture than she grew up in. Yeah. And she grew up in a very Christian based home. And so she had an idea of what a husband was supposed to be like. And then Mm -hmm. I grew up in a broken home. And so, you know, I had an idea of what a a wife was supposed to be like based off of my mom and we got married. So I met my wife in, um, in 2011 in like April Mm -hmm. and then we got married in August quick. Wow. So yeah, it was like, Hey, do you want to, I think I asked her to marry me on August 20th and we got married on August 26th, 2011. And so it was really quick. I just, you know, I, I knew she was, she was mine. Like I loved everything about her. Yeah. And, but through that process, of course, like imagine, you know, you meet somebody, you get married and then you move in. <laughs> so, yeah. So it was like, Oh, Whoa, there's, this is a lot. Um, luckily, I guess my saving grace was that I was in the SEAL teams and I was gone a lot. Mm-hmm. And so she didn't have to deal with me every single night, you know, <laughs> but, um, but I, I had to grow as a man, you know, I had to grow as a, as a husband. Um, she was great and she did a lot of amazing things. I think we both had to grow and luckily she was willing, like the mind's like a parachute only works if it's open and she was willing to be open-minded to growth. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I see it so many times in marriages where one person's willing to grow, but the other isn't, they're stuck in their old ways mm-hmm. or they, or they, you know, some people will bring a backpack of their clothes right to their, to the front door in the marriage and meaning the bag's already packed as like, what if, what if something happens? Well, yeah. Plan B. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Luckily we've never had that mentality. Like we have a fighter's mentality. We've both made a lot of mistakes in our marriage. Like we're not perfect, but at the same time, we've never given up on each other. You know, like we've, we've been willing to fight for, for each other. We've, we've, we've moved, mm-hmm. which moving is like one of the most stressful things. Right. So yeah. check this out. We, we lived in Virginia beach in 2012, uh, t- sorry, 2011, 2012, moved to Germany. Right. So lived overseas right after we got married. Um, cause I got went on a deployment, came back and we left mm-hmm. and then, um, went to Germany for two years. Dude, I got to, we got to experience what life was really like, we got like a one, one month, three day vacation every single month over there. It was crazy, but we were broke. We came back that's a whole nother story. Almost $40,000 in credit card debt, 18% interest, because we're like, well, we're only get to live this once. We'll figure out how we're going to pay off debt later, but that caused stress. Oh, so, yeah. you know, that's one of the biggest stressors in marriage. So we had the financial stress. We had the marriage stress already. You know, we didn't have kids at the time. So, you know, that, that wasn't there, you know, to me, luckily, because that would have been even more added onto our plate. Yeah. But, um, but we then went to San Diego 
And then I was putting students through hell week doing that whole process and did that for like three years, got in the direct sales game. And that was like a huge moment for us to where we went all in on growth together. Mm-hmm. So we were like, we were massively in debt, but we were pu- pumping a bunch of money into marriage events, like marriage retreats. We were pumping money into, you know, entrepreneur coaching events to where they could coach us. We were going to Tony Robbins. We were going to Darren Hardy's events, like all these different events to where we could grow together. Yeah, And that was, that was my most important thing is I wanted to make sure we grew together. I'd wake up, turn on Jim Rohn. You know, as soon as we woke up, we were listening to Jim Rohn. We were listening to Tony Robbins, something in the house to make sure we were both growing. That way it wasn't just me growing with my headphones on. I wanted her to grow with me. You know, when yeah. we were in the car, we turned our car into a university on wheels. Like we were growing in the car instead of listening to music all the time. We we're like, Hey, let's listen on this drive, this 15 minute drive here. Let's listen to whatever person we want to listen to at that time. Like that could be Rex mm-hmm. Crane. That could be anybody. Right. So, you know, and then, and then we did Mark Driscoll's marriage. Um, he has like a, a 12 video marriage series that we, we poured into. And, yeah. and so I guess, I guess what I'm saying is the challenges that we, we had, we were able to grow through together because mm-hmm. we were so focused on getting bigger than our problems through our, you know, personal development, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. And I like that you included her and that you guys chose to grow together. Um, there's an old saying, and I'm sure you've heard it, that you're only as fast as your slowest link, right? And it's good to see that you freaking were with her every step of the way. You guys had the same mentality, same vision, right? Because without vision, people suffer and you guys are able to grow together, right? Um, I've seen so many husbands and wives live separate lives, right? Because, you know, just like the SEAL teams and the line trade, all right, men are gone for a long time and you have these women that stay at home, okay? And they work these long hours and stuff like that. So they grow in their separate, I mean, they're going in the same direction, but they start separating from each other, if that makes sense, you know what I mean? And before you know it, you don't even recognize each other, you know? Yeah, it's so easy to get caught in a routine and become a roommate right? Like, yeah, exactly. And I've seen it and it's happened to us before where, where we're like, Hey, like, I feel like we're getting to a little bit more to roommate. Like we're over here a little bit. We need to get back mm-hmm. over here. So, so what we do, and, and here's some strategies for you guys that I do that maybe might work for you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, because listen, everything rises and falls on leadership at the end of the day. And, you know, you can, we can make excuses all day long that our marriage isn't where it wants to be, or our kids aren't where it want to be or whatever. Like, but the question is, is what are you doing to to nourish it like what are you are you pouring water into it every day or are you just letting it grow stagnant because mm-hmm. if i asked you and tony robbins said this and and this was an eye-opener for me is he said are you still treating your spouse as if you were when you first tried to try to get her to marry you yeah and the answer to that majority of the time is no and i've fallen out of that before where i'm like nope i'm 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 not treating her that way. I'm getting complacent. Okay, what do I need to do? This is mm-hmm. this goes back to the quality of the questions that you ask yourself or don't ask yourself. Like if you keep asking yourself those questions, you know, daily, weekly, it's just a reset. It's gonna, it's like a, it's like a, fl- a flight or a boat that's on one course, as the saying goes. Over if I'm flying from, you know, California to Europe, but I'm off one degree, dude. That one degree is crazy, right? Yeah, so like you yeah. have to, you have to have that GPS that's constantly redirecting you. And mm-hmm. so, you know, like the saying goes, plan, do, review, and improve. You know, you have to have a plan of what you're going to do and you got to do it, review it, right? Plan it, mm-hmm. do it, review it, and improve it. And so I would just say for you guys, like we do a date night at least once a week. You have to do a date night. We do, and this is going to be funny to some people, but hey, her dad taught me this. And this was like amazing advice mm-hmm. is we take a bath once a week. It sounds so silly. It sounds so silly. Yeah. But it isn't because it's your, it's that one time a week to connect. Mm. Think about it. It's that one time a week where you get to have connection time, intimate time. You know how many marriages I, 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 some of my friends I talk to and they're like, I'm like, how many, how many times do you guys even, are you sexual? And they're like once a month. And I'm like, well, what are you doing? What are you doing to make her want to be with you? Yeah. Like, would you want to be with you? Like answer that question, honestly. And, and, and mm. would you like, are you, are you treating her the way she wants to be treated? Or are you just coming home expecting things that, that that's going to happen? Like, no, dude, you got to be a King. If you want a queen, you got to be a King. 
And so, so I, we have, we have date night once a week and then we have once a week where we, we connect in, in the bath and we, and then we have once a week where we go over all of our goals that Sunday mm. on Sunday, we have our, our day with, with faith. We have our day with family, which really I, you know, David, I, I, I realized a long time ago before I was getting out of the military, that time was the most precious asset that we have. And so I started seeing all these guys getting out and going in the corporate route. And there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. I love that. I just realized that I did not want to have to trade my time in exchange for money anymore. I wanted to be able to get out there and be able to dictate how much time I could spend with my kids when we had kids, because we didn't have kids at the time. Mm-hmm. And so I started digging my well, man. And I said, you know, I'm going to work, go all in right now. I'm going to work hard. And in, you know, one year, two years, three years, whenever it is, we're going to have kids and I'm going to be able to be at home with my kid every single day. I'm going to be able to take her to take her or him. I have two girls now uh, mm-hmm. to the park. I'm going to be able to take them, teach them how to swim. I don't want to have to, I don't want them to have to be in the school system because you can see what's happening in our schools right now. Like I want to be able to control who hires them and all that stuff takes time and money. You have to make sure you have the money to support it and you have to have the time to be able to pour into it. No, for sure. And it's good to see that you had that vision to do that. You know what I mean? I think a lot of times people get stuck so much in the daily grind and they can't see a way out. You know, I mean, think about it. I, I know guys that, absolutely hate their life you know and they treat their family like crap because oh i can't change my job my job sucks so i don't know why i'm here blah 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 blah. you know what i mean and it's it's crazy you know what i mean just having that mindset that you can't do anything about it it's a victim mindset you know it is man and people just buy into it and that's like what friends are you hanging around that's like Mm -hmm. literally buying into your bs it's like come on dude like you can do anything you want. This is 2023. We have people in Pakistan, mm-hmm. literally. I have a VAs that I work with in, in the, the Philippines. I have people who do stuff for me in Pakistan. People do like these individuals are working so hard around the clock, all online. They can make money anywhere, anytime. So can you, it's 2023. So like, I know what you're saying, but my point is, is like, maybe they need to elevate the friends that they're hanging around with. They need to elevate the community have some proximity and and listen, I know mentorship out there. Like mm-hmm. I was broke. So here's what you can do to get mentorship. You pay for it, you produce for it, or you serve for it. And mm-hmm. I, I didn't have a lot of money. We were paying, we were paying for it, but I didn't have a lot of money to do it, but I knew I was the number one investment and my mm-hmm. wife was the number one investment. So we had to grow us. But I also went out there and found a system that I could pr- produce for mentorship to get eyes on me. And mm-hmm. then there was, seasons of my life that I served for in the church or served for it in other areas to where it was like, Hey, I need to, I need to get this person's, you know, attention. And I didn't just serve a church for attention, but you know, mm-hmm. point is, is there was some people that I did want to be around. And there were certain areas that I'm like, Hey, if I could serve to be mm-hmm. around this person, why would I not want to be closer? Because they're spiritual mentors. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't sure. need anything monetary from them, but I would love to have their spiritual connection. So that's a pillar that's important to me. I want to grow in that area. Let me serve. Yeah, for sure. No, that's cool to see, man. All the the pillars, how they they planned out in your life, and just the plan that you have. You know what I mean, and that it's working well with you. And it's good to see that. Um, I see that you put a lot of importance on surrounding yourself around people you want to be like and emulate. Right. Um, I even take that a step forward. You know what I mean. Be someone your kids want to emulate. You know. Um there's this board that I used to see when I worked at the utility as a troubleman and uh, the supervisor on duty, he'd always write these like little quotes and stuff like that on this whiteboard. And I remember this one quote that he put, it said, be the man your kids think you are. Mm, And I remember that dude, that was probably in 2011 when I saw that. And uh, I still remember it, dude. And it still sticks with me. Be the man your kids think you are. what 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 a powerful saying and and what i would tell you guys what i'm going to do right after this Mm -hmm. is i'm going to write that down and i'm going to say what what is my who what what, my daughter's two but let's just say when she's five what is she really gonna who does she think i am Mm. and then i'm going to write all that stuff down who does she think i am in my faith who does she think i am in my fitness who does she think i am in my as a father right with my emotional Mm -hmm. maturity who does she think i am as a husband like mm-hmm. I'm going to write down all those things tonight, like literally, and I'm going to meditate on that. And I'm going to, and I'm going to, cause that's a great, that's a great, you know, I think um, measurement, right. Mm-hmm. To say, Hey, this is where I'm at. This is where I need to get to. 
And if you, and if that's your target, dude, you're going to, you're going to, within a year, you won't even recognize yourself. Mm -hmm. Man, that was great, brother. Thanks for putting in that perspective. That's, that's awesome, dude. Um, Brandon, I want to give you an opportunity now just to share with our audience how they can reach out to you, um, get a hold of you for your coaching, to listen to your podcast. Please share. Yeah, absolutely, guys. I launched a podcast called The Journey to Win, which I'm going to have David on. I can't wait to have you on and, and then reverse it and absolutely. ask you questions. But uh, The Journey to Win, and it's just, again, we're we're going through the ups and downs, man, teaching you what it takes to win in every area of your life. Like I said, the six pillars, faith, family, fitness, finance, future self, and fun. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then you can go to brandonthornhill.com. You can go to my Instagram. It's at the Brandon Thornhill. And I had to do the, because somebody else took it, <laughs> but <laughs> it's the Brandon Thornhill. Um, and so, yeah, guys, Facebook, Brandon Thornhill, like just go follow me. I'm putting out content daily, um, sometimes multiple times a day. And then I bring on some very high level people that, you know, it's I got like, I got Rex Crane on there. I got Ian Proctor on there who, had a multiple eight figure exit out of his business. He's a God fearing man as well. Mm -hmm. um, so it's the list goes on and on, but you know, thanks for having me on, man. It, it was, it was awesome to, to get to hang out on your podcast today. Absolutely. And if I could ask you one last thing, Brand, before yeah, yeah, you get of off, bro, if you were to run into yourself, uh, say 10 years ago, what would you tell your younger self? 10, 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So 10 years ago, I'd be 27 and I'd be, I think, in Germany, probably. So I would say, you know, at that time I was struggling, I think with my self-confidence a little bit, I would just, you know, I would just say that, Hey dude, you got to take it easy and not really care about what people think about you. Because at the end of the day, some of these friends in your life that you think are important, they're probably not as important as you think they are right now. Um, because the brotherhood, they say the brotherhood is real. And I'll tell you that, uh, your, your confidants are real. And there is a portion of the brotherhood that is real, but it's, it, I think, I don't think it's what everybody thinks it is. And so, you know, I would say that um, I need to, to really just focus on personal growth and development. And, and this is the last thing I would say, I would say, worry more about your character than your reputation, mm. because if you worry about your character, you know, and, and that's your guiding light, that's your North star, your reputation will follow. And, um, and don't get that twisted because in a world of social media and a world of, you know, just influence coming from it, so many different directions, um, especially my, my military brothers and sisters, like don't be focused on reputation, even though that's what they sell. Your reputation mm -hmm. is everything. It's not your character is everything and your reputation will follow. Wow. I like that, man. That was awesome. Brandon, once again, thank you for coming on brother. And uh, man, just just thank you for your service. Thank you for everything you're doing, all the people you're helping out there, man. And just keep spitting out that good word, brother. Appreciate yeah, you. Yeah, man. Thank you for your service, bro. I was excited to be on. Can't wait to have you on mine. Absolutely, brother. God bless.